Hey, this is Homer Hargrove. I'm the pastor of Grape Top Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for connecting with our family today, and I hope this message inspires you and that it makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. You like the people that you go to church with. You know, that it seems like an overly simple question, doesn't it? Do you like the people you go to church with? And what's funny is that it's not just a yes or no. Is that for a lot of us, the answer is, well, I don't know. I don't know yet. And see, that's the, that's the very thing that happens in church too often. Is we do not know people well enough to even know whether we like them or not. In fact, that's what causes bitterness to happen in church so often because you don't really know somebody and so you if they say one thing you don't know their heart you don't know their intention you don't well know them well enough to talk to you any which way and so that's why so many people get upset and mad at church because they don't they can't connect to anybody there and if someone says one thing it's like oh well i don't need to take this i'm out of here y'all dig what i'm saying we don't know the people well enough to even know if we like them or not And today's message is about the need of fellowship. The need of fellowship. I don't really like using that word fellowship very often because it sounds like a church word. A lot of times it's like you can kind of just, people just guess what it means. Like, oh, like hanging out, (laughs) like going to to a church thing. I think the most cliche, I hate making infographics that, that tell you what's there. It's very rare that I make a a graphic for church that tells you what's going to happen because I think the most common thing you'll ever see on a church graphic is food, fun, and fellowship. Food, fun, and fellowship. And they all start with F, so it's like perfect alliteration. Food, fun, and fellowship. And fellowship is that word that, that it's like in our church minds that just means like nothing's really going to happen. <laughs> fellowship is like, oh, well, there's not going to be an activity. That's just a time of talking to other people, so I won't go. Y'all know what I'm saying? And fellowship is one of the most overlooked aspects of church for most people. For those of us who have not been raised in church and not found friends in church, fellowship seems like a useless component of church. And the truth is, is because we haven't truly experienced it. I'll be honest myself, if I showed up to church or if I was going to listen to a podcast and I saw that I was about fellowship, I'd probably skip it. Because we, it's so, it seems so simple. It's like, well, I don't need to learn about that. Like, that's just liking the time of hanging out with others. And I want to, I want to share with y'all a couple verses in 1 John chapter 3, verse 11, it says, This is the message you've heard from the beginning. We should love one another. In Romans chapter 13, verse 8, it says, Owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. John chapter 13, verse 34 through 35 This is Jesus right before he goes to the cross. He says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. 
you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Now this last verse is a very particular thought. It says that your love for one another will prove that you are my disciples, will prove that you're genuine Christians. Your love for one another. Who is one another? For the disciples, it was real easy, right? Like John, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Well, Luke wasn't one of the 12 disciples. Maybe it was Mark. I was just naming <laughs> Gospels. Anyway, it, but he was talking beyond just the 12. He's, he's talking about as Christians, as believers, that we will be known the way that we love one another. Consistently, Paul says in the different epistles, the different letters to the church, there's times where he says that we should love others but first, we must love one another. It says, how can we love people in the world if we can't even love the people in our churches? And it, it's often easier to love a complete stranger that you never have to see again, isn't it? You get to impress them right there, and you have no, they have no experience of your past. You're not going to have to worry about upkeeping that, that moment. Just that one moment in time, that's, that's how they'll remember you forever. It's the only time that you saw them and did something really nice, really generous. But what's harder is loving those that you are consistently around, isn't it? That's why families have the biggest fights. Because they know your past. They know how you are. They know your rhythms. And this idea of fellowship the reason that the biggest hindrance that we have in engaging with one another at church is the simple fact that we don't trust those people yet. We do not trust those people yet. And it, we have that, that saying in the back of our minds, well, they haven't earned my trust yet. Can I say something that these verses are showing us that when it comes to fellow believers, that we should extend trust first instead of them having to earn it. That there's a level of trust that we can extend to fellow believers. And that distrust should be earned, not the initial trust. Y'all dig what I'm saying? And see, if we allow ourselves to extend that initial trust, it, it allow it causes those walls that we have to be lowered. And that's really what we need, it, is those walls that we have around us to just be lowered enough for the fellow believer to just see what's up. But because of our past experiences, our past hurts, the, the other church that we went to, that other Christian that said this or that, well, we just keep walls up for every, every Christian we meet, don't we? I mean, even for me, when I've met some of you, did you not have somewhat of a reservation? I don't really know this guy. The last pastor that I, I knew hit me. You know, we, you have, you'd care, we carry all of our experiences and we infer on other people an unjust experience and expect them to respond the same way even though they're a completely different person. 
And if we allow ourselves to just lower our walls a little bit. Now look, when I say trust, there's different levels of trust, right? We can understand that. I'm not saying you meet a complete stranger and all of a sudden you just tell them your deepest, darkest secret just because they're a Christian. I'm not saying that either. But there's a level, the initial level of trust is that level to where you allow yourself to fellowship with them. Allow yourself to experience fun with them. And the opportunity to have a good time with them. Y'all dig what I'm saying? And we, we pass up so many opportunities when it comes to church because we're not really ready to lower those walls. I don't know. It, it's the most consistent thing in the world that whenever I am in charge of a team or if I'm a part of a team and if there's a, a, a meeting where we're going to plan something, most people will show up. But if I say, hey, in this meeting, we're, we're going to just hang out and get to know each other and have a good time, no one will show up. Because people don't see it as productive. They don't see it as meaningful or important. But see, if we'll never get anywhere if we don't have that fellowship time. Trust is built by fellowship. Trust is built by fellowship with one another. Think of your closest friends. Why are you so close? Because y'all hung out all the time. You fellowship together. Even if it was just playing video games together, it built a trust just having that time together, having fun together, didn't it? And I remember when I was a youth pastor, there's this one, this one kid that wouldn't really open up to anybody, wouldn't talk to anyone. They're very closed off, didn't trust anybody. And whenever someone tried to tell him something, he just like zone out. And I, I, I found him and I said, hey, do you want to just come to my house and play video games? And uh, he said, yeah. Brought over his Xbox. I made spaghetti. And we literally just played video games for like three hours. <laughs> Lauren was out of town. <laughs> and no lie, that, that just that, that time of fellowship together that no one else was willing to just extend to him first, by the end of it, we were just playing a game. And while we're playing, he's like, hey, man, can I ask you something about God? And he, he starts asking me questions. I'm not having to chase him down and, and hollering Bible scriptures at him. He's asking me because all of a sudden, from our fellowship together, he began to trust me. Y'all dig what I'm saying? Fellowship is the builder of trust. And there's no way that we're going to be able to trust our church people, there's no way you'll be able to even trust your pastor unless you fellowship together. Y'all dig what I'm saying? We, we can't be so busy that we're not willing to fellowship because we're never going to really live in a community or grow a community if we can't trust the people in it. In philosophy, trust is the number one requirement for a society to function. Trust is the number one requirement for a society to function. And if a society does not have trust within the community, it, it is not a healthy society. 
because everything else will, will collapse. Everything else will corrupt. If you're always thinking that your neighborhood is going to rob you, it's because you don't trust them and you're not going to live in that neighborhood. Y'all dig that? How in the world can we build trust if we don't hang out with one another, get to know one another? A lot, how can we ever go deep with one another if we aren't even willing to have shallow time together? Y'all feel that? So fellowship is a builder of trust. It's also the lifeblood to joy. There are so many miserable Christians, so many miserable Christians who are lonely, isolated, have no fun. And honestly, fun is the best killer of loneliness. But oftentimes, we can't even bring ourselves to show up to the event because we allow that isolation and that loneliness to stop us. But if you would just go, if, you, if you're willing to, to trust the people there and just try it, you end up having a good time. And even if you leave and everything comes back, that, that little bit of fun time helps. That little bit of time of just being able to socialize with others gives you that much more energy through whatever loneliness you're going through. It, fellowship is the lifeblood of joy. And if you've ever met very <coughs> joyful people, especially at church, those who seem like the most happiest to see you are those who are always at social gatherings. It's the people that are just always going to the hangouts. They, they have a constant tap on joy because they, they, they follow the scripture and the word and finding that love for one another. And they fellowship. And that fellowship just gives birth and lifeblood to joy in your life. There, there's just this well of untapped joy within fellowship of people, with the people you go to church with. And it does not matter your personality type when it comes to finding, uh, finding somebody to talk to. It really doesn't matter if you're an introvert, an extrovert, if you're an ABC personality. <laughs> it doesn't matter what kind of personality animal you are. We all need companionship. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 18... It says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I'll make a helper who is just right for him. Now that's, that's Eve's part. But it says that man is not meant to be alone. That's a standalone sentence right there, that man is not meant to be alone. And if you try to lone wolf your Christianity, you're going to get discouraged. You're going to get isolated. You're going to get lonely. And we need the fellowship of, of fellow believers, of people that we can call our, our brothers and sisters in Christ and feel it. And we as Christians have become so much talk with no power. We say love all the time in all of our church services, but no one shows the power of love even within the church by fellowshipping with one another. If we, we're a church plant, if we really want to grow this community, 
We need this, guys. We need it. I need it. And there's, there's so many people that need this too. I mean, all of us go through stuff. All of us have a hard month, a hard year. And we're going through it alone when there's, I mean, imagine you could just be happy because you know that you just have people around you. And if you've ever experienced that, it's real. You feel accepted, you feel loved, where you really just want to go hang out with people. I think that was the hardest moment for me after I gave my life to Christ was when I desired fellowship, I desired fun, and when I tried to find it with my friends before, they could only get the concept, that, that idea of fun, the only perception they had was with drugs or alcohol. And since I no longer did that, they couldn't even fathom, well, how can we hang out then? And that was one of the hardest things for me, but when I found a, a group of young people that, that could have fun just hanging out together, it was like the most unbelievable experience. I remember when I would bring friends of mine from back in the world where we, were both, we would both be addicted to drugs and violence and all this stuff. And I remember one of my friends after we left said, I never knew you could have that much fun with people by just having fun without needing drugs or alcohol. I never knew that you could really have that. We, we, there's so much joy if we would allow ourselves to just try it. Allow ourselves to see it as something important. And the final thing that I want y'all to understand about fellowship is that it's a conduit. It's a conductor of endurance. Let me read y'all this story in Acts. Acts chapter 16, verse 20 through 26. It says, The whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews. They shouted to the city officials, They are teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. And a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas. And the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. Bummer. They were severely beaten. And then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Now, before we move on, can you all get this imagery in your head? So often we just run through the Bible verses and we don't really see how drastic this is. I mean, this is just Paul and Silas. They're just witnessing to people like, hey, have you heard about Jesus? And, and people get in such an uproar to where they have them beaten publicly with wooden rods. I mean, even when you just read like they were beaten. If you've ever gotten beaten, like jumped, to where you're on the floor and they're just beating you with rods. I mean, that's a big deal, right? So they are battered and bruised. And how discouraged would you be in your faith that you're just trying to do the right thing? You're just trying to share a little bit of love. You didn't even do anything wrong. It's one thing when someone just makes fun of you or tells you to leave. Like, hey, get out of here with that Jesus stuff. But to have the city officials come and beat you I mean I would imagine that my faith would be damaged right I mean even if I just can't pay my bills that month like God see where are you 
Just, just financially, I can get discouraged and I hadn't got beaten for nothing. And so this is a moment for great discouragement. This is a moment where a lot of Christians would abandon their faith right here. And it says, as their feet were clamped and they, they were there to think about what they did. It says around midnight, because I guess they couldn't sleep. I mean, if you've ever been sore, so sore that you couldn't sleep. You, I mean, their feet are clamped in stocks. I imagine they came and really sit down comfortably. Just having to like kneel or kind of like sit with your butt and your ankles up or your knees up. It's, imagine it was a really uncomfortable position. And so around midnight, not being able to sleep, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. So we see this amazing miracle that happened in response to their praise and worship in the midst of complete discouragement. That in their agony, they chose to worship. Now, what I think is a very hidden little gem in this is that I'm not so sure if Paul or Silas would be so encouraged to sing hymns and praises if they were by themselves. If it was just Paul by himself or if it was just Silas by himself, I'm not sure that they would have the encouragement of one another to be able to sing on their own. Now look, that might be overstepping. But you don't see other areas where Paul's by himself and in prison and he starts singing in foundations of the prisons being torn down. He went, in other passages, he witnesses to the guards that are watching him. We never see a part where he's singing hymns and finding this crazy joy or endurance in the midst of so much agony. Except when he's with another believer during it. And see, that, that's what fellowship produces. It's a conductor of endurance. So where fellowship with friends can carry you through some of the toughest moments of life. Some of the toughest moments of your life. That fellowship with one another, even people just sitting with you. It helps make it a little bit more bearable to where you can endure. And it's only in times of fellowship that you can find the people to truly lean on. And this fellowship can be the medicine to your pain. But often, we, in, instead of finding somebody to lean on, we isolate ourselves instead. And when we isolate ourselves instead, it only intensifies that pain, doesn't it? It only makes those emotions so much more as it's mixed with loneliness. We need, a, we need to find this level of trust with one another. Because I believe that there are so many Christians that abandoned their faith, not because they were too weak, but because they didn't have enough fellowship to keep them there. How many of you guys have... have been to church at one point or another and this idea of fellowship was absent from you and you felt all alone 
you felt like you had to go through everything in life by yourself, even while you went to church. You still felt like it was all on you. See, when we have, when we can find this fellowship, when it's, it's real and it's accessible to us, but it takes all of us to get this idea of lowering our walls and seeing the potential of finding something truly great. Now, don't get me wrong. It's really hard to find that. But... For, for our group, for our church, I think that we have to try. Because it's, it's our mission to build a community. It's our mission to reach out to others. And what good is it for us to reach out to people to bring them to a place where they, they find nothing more than what they found outside? Y'all dig what I'm saying? If we don't have community within us, why would we invite somebody else into that darkness? What good is it? And so I want us to all capture this moment. Capture this moment right now. Do you feel something in you? Do you feel an urge or an impulse to do something? Maybe you don't even know what. But you know that, that you are a part of something and maybe you don't even know your role yet. All of us have a place to start right here at fellowship, at friendship. And I'll be the first one to say, I've missed the mark. I can lean to loneliness instead of togetherness. I can put my walls up and push people away because I'm scared of letting people in. But guys, can we repent and just start fresh? Can we really just look at this moment as a moment that we're moving forward? Because we need this. And there's no way that Gravetop Church will survive and we don't produce a genuine and authentic fellowship with one another. Y'all feel me? With all this being said, I want you to take this idea of fellowship. And we can catch the vision for a community. And the best way that it's seen is the way that God calls us to fellowship with him. Do people make mistakes? Yeah, right? <laughs> Usually it's other people make more mistakes than us, right? But how does God see you? God looks at you as any moment that he can to find restoration with you and him. And for us to foster this fellowship, we have to have a heart in our mind that we always look an opportunity for salvation of a relationship, for restoration among friends, among family. Because we will make mistakes. There'll be moments where we hurt somebody's feelings unintentionally, sometimes intentionally. There's moments where our pride will get in the way. But if we have in our mind 
than the same way we have done to God. But he always looks for restoration for us. And so we ought to look for restoration in others too. And the, I think the greatest moment of my faith was when I was finding this, this new salvation, this new relationship with Christ. There's a moment where I realized that God loved me. That he died on the cross for me. That was a surreal moment that changed my life forever. But a moment that was very, very tender, sweet, and one of the most powerful moments for me was when I realized that God wanted to fellowship with me. I always had in mind that God loves the world, right? There's a lot crummier people than me. So maybe God just loves us because that's just who he is. But then in my heart, there was a reserve in believing that he liked me. With me and my wife, there's often times where I'll say, I love you. She goes, well, good, but do you like me? <laughs> and I confused my wife one time and I said, you know, I, we could get divorced if we wanted to. And she's like, I don't like where you're going with this. <laughs> I said, no, you don't get it. It's, I'm not with you because I have to be. Even though that's like a Christian principle to stay together and everything, I want you to know that that's not the only reason I'm with you. I'm with you because I like you. I'm with you because I want to be with you. And that's, that's an interesting way to look at it, isn't it? But see, that's how God looks at us. That's how God looks at you. He is so intentional that he wants this fellowship with you, this, this bond with you, to where when you're talking to yourself throughout your day, your initial thought is just talking to God too, like conversationally. That God wants close, meaningful fellowship with you. And, it, and it's hard to imagine the God of the universe the God that's all-powerful, and he just wants to hang out with a little old speck of dust. Little old me. But if God sees us like that, he's setting the example of how we should see others too. To where when we think of fellowship, that we can even think of it unbiasedly. And knowing that the person that we're looking at needs fellowship too. And that we don't put people on a spectrum of, well, they're not really that, like my type of person. I don't really relate to them well. And so I'll wait for somebody else to fellowship with them. Did you know that all these verses we read did not say, love one another who you relate with? A, com a command I give you that's the same from the beginning Love the people that you relate with well, that have the same interests as you do. See, we can only relate to some people, yeah, but we can connect to everybody. We can connect to everybody. And so I want you to close your eyes and bow your heads. And I want you to think of this concept of fellowship. And this is, this is a call for us, guys. This is a call that needs to be answered. And 
I want to ask you with every head bowed and eyes closed, if you're ready to repent of disregarding fellowship as something important and meaningful, I'm the first one to say right now, I'm done with that. I need it. People need it. And I'm ready to be my part in producing it. If you are ready to join me in that, with every eye closed and head bowed, I want you to just lift up your hand. Amen. God, right now I ask that you impact our hearts and our lives in this moment. And that we feel compelled and moved to see people like you see them. Loved and needing love. And that we would not look at fellowship as something useless or less than. But that we would see it as a, a vital part to church that has been overlooked. And that we would answer the call to join in fellowship and produce fellowship. That we would not be stagnant any longer. That we would no longer ignore it. That right now we come together. And we ask you to soften our hearts. Forgive us for the past and help us right now in this moment to move to the future with us being the ones, each of us looking at ourselves as a catalyst to make a difference. With your head still bowed and your eyes closed, if you're here, and maybe you have it in your heart that you've never entered this fellowship with God. You never have started in the, the, the first spot you should, and that's with a, a relationship with Jesus Christ. And you know right now in your heart that you need to do that today. Or maybe for you, you did it a while back, but that fellowship grew cold and distant. And you know that you need to recommit to that fellowship with God now today. If either one of those are you, I want you to raise your hand. Amen. And so I want you to, if you rose your hand or if, if you wanted to, or if you even feel like you're in that fellowship with God right now, you have that, that relationship with Christ, I want you to pray this prayer too. Pray as a reaffirmation of your faith your fellowship to Christ. Say, Lord Jesus, you showed me on the cross your love and your desire to know me, your desire to be with me. And you proved yourself the Son of God when you rose from the dead. I need this fellowship with you. I need this joy with you. I need this endurance with you. I need this trust with you. You are the Lord of my life. You are the Savior to my soul. Help me to see others as my neighbor to be loved. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did, there's a couple things that you could do to connect. First is to subscribe to our show so that the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. And second is if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description or visit our website, gravetop.com, and you can give now. I'll see you next time on the Gravetop Church Podcast.